Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin. Hello, I'm Marcus, this is Nick. Hello. And thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sunshine Cinema Show. Now, I must just say, it's great that Nick can be here as he's been very busy developing his latest film about a Roman general who gets away with murdering his wife by consuming her in a pie. It's something he's calling Gladiator. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's got a happy ending, then. (laughs) Sort of like a spoiler in the title. (laughs) Yeah. On today's show, we have a trio of treats for you. And we're going to start with our movie review, currently showing at the cinema, which is Stephen King's Cursed Clown returning for It, Chapter 2. We'll follow that with a challenge for you to identify five mystery films in our Take 5 movie quiz. And we'll finish with a film that's a rent review of mid-90s, a nostalgic coming-of-age tale following a group of skateboarders in 1990s Los Angeles. Now, if you'd like to contact us on the show, you can tweet us. We are at Sunshine Cinemax. Right now, though, here's Nick with the latest movie news. Thanks, Marcus. So the headlines this time, Richard Linklater to spend 20 years making Sondheim musical movie, and Netflix announces Breaking Bad film starring Aaron Paul. The 12 years Richard Linklater invested in shooting, on and off his coming-of-age tale Boyhood, were well spent. The film is regularly cited as one of the best dramas of the decade, performed healthily at the box office, won multiple awards for its cast and crew, and won Linklater major plaudits for such an innovative approach to on-screen ageing. The director is now set to repeat the trick with the announcement that he's to devote some of the next 20 years to a production of Merrily Reroll Along, Stephen Sondheim and George First Broadway musical about a songwriter in danger of losing his friends while dazzled by showbiz. Beanie Feldstein and Ben Platt, longtime best friends of a pronounced love of Broadway musicals, are set to star alongside Blake Jenner. The show starts at the height of its hero success, then rewinds to when he was a struggling youngster. I first saw and fell in love with Merrily in the 80s, and I can't think of a better place to spend the next 20 years than in the world of a Sondheim musical, said Ping later. I don't enter this multi-year experience lightly, but it seems the best, perhaps the only way, to do this story justice on film. Linklater's most recent film, the Kate Blanchett starring thriller Where'd You Go Bernadette, has just opened in the US to lukewarm reviews. Wow, that's a commitment to a project, isn't it? Yes. Wow. 20 years? Mmm. Wow. It's, I mean, without getting too deep into it, considering the state of the world, I am very curious to see what 20 years from now the the uh, the the globe will look like. But um, good on him for being optimistic enough. Yes. Yes. Wow. Did I say wow? You did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good luck to you. Good luck Multiple to you. times. I mean, um, I, I don't know how deep your Broadway knowledge is. Mine is uh, service level <laughs> at best. I wouldn't go any further than that, I'm afraid. Yeah. So, no, I'm curious, because we, we reviewed Boyhood on the programme when it, when it came out quite a while ago. I think we Did you like it? Because I, I really liked it. I can't remember how you felt about it. Yeah, I, 
I must admit, at the time, I wasn't sure because I didn't, I didn't go into it knowing that it had taken was it eight years, seven years, twelve, twelve, yeah. Wow. Mm. Well, here's the thing <laughs> with, with Boyhood. It, um, it, it wasn't announced that he was working on it until like a, a, I think maybe a few months before the film came out. So that was a a big surprise. So yeah, I've been filming this this film in secret for twelve years. So interesting. This time he's getting ahead of himself. Just yeah. to, <laughs> to well, I mean. Whatever it does, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it works. I mean, in terms of the on-screen agent, it, it works fantastically in, in Boyhood, I thought. Yeah, I hope this one works out as well as that one did. Netflix has announced that it will release a Breaking Bad film centred on Aaron Paul's mercurial meth cook Jesse Pinkman nearly six years after 10.3 million Americans tuned in to watch the show's finale. Fans were at fever pitch hours before Netflix made the announcement when it was discovered that a uh, movie card for the film could be found on the streaming service's official site, confirming the project's existence after years of speculation. But Netflix has provided zero plot details. In the wake of his dramatic escape from captivity, Jesse must come to terms with his past in order to forge some kind of future, it said. The film is called El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. It was written and directed by the show's creator Vince Gilligan and will be released on Netflix on the 11th of October. It's also expected to be broadcast on AMC, the US cable network that first brought the show to screens from 2008 to 2014. Um, so, slight spoiler alert here for the uh, the, the finale of the original show. Uh, this will be the first time we've seen Pinkman since he sped off screen in a stolen Chevrolet El Camino having just been rescued from an Aryan Brotherhood gang by his one-time partner Walter Wright played by Brian Cranston. To fans, that episode seemed like a full stop, with drunk Kingpin White collapsing on the floor of his uh, hut-turned-meth lab just moments before police burst in with guns drawn. As the credits started to roll, uh, fans believed this would be the last time that they would see many of the show's most iconic characters. In an interview, Aaron Paul made it clear that the film was as much a revelation to him as it would be to fans of the show, as he believed he had said goodbye to the Breaking Bad universe after that finale. It was a hard, emotional thing for all of us, Paul said, and when the finale happened, we all got together and hugged it out and said, I love you, and that was it. But the first of the new Breaking Bad material never quite went away. A spin-off prequel series, Better Call Saul, following the story of conman and small-time lawyer Jimmy McGill, played by Bob Odenkirk, premiered in 2015 and has so far garnered 23 Emmy Awards, seven Writers Guild of America Awards, five Critics' Choice Television Awards, a Screen Actors Guild Award and two Golden Globe Awards. Paul said he could understand if audiences were wary of revisiting Breaking Bad, but that any doubt he had dissipated when he finished reading Gilligan's script. El Camino was a chapter of bad that I didn't realise I wanted, and now that I have it, I'm so happy that it's there, he said. I couldn't speak for a good 30 or 60 seconds, I was just lost in my thoughts. As a guy who played this character, I was so happy that Vince wanted to take me on this journey. Fans will have to wait and see if Cranston will return as Walter Wright in El Camino. They were sent into overdrive after Cranston and Paul both mysteriously tweeted out the same picture with the caption, soon, back in June. Uh, when asked, Paul said he once again had to remain silent on the subject. All I can say, I think people will be very happy with what they see. OK, so firstly, Breaking Bad, were you a fan of it? Yes, I think we've talked about this on the show, um, I think, multiple times. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we both loved it very much. I think the film is a good way to go with it. Yeah. I'm, I don't know whether I would have been more concerned by another series of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. uh, whether that if they'd gone down that, it would have, would have ended up just being a cash-in. Yeah. Whereas, potentially, with the film, it can be a nice, round, a nice rounded ending. Yes. A little bit more. Um, sort of somewhat similar to the, the, the Deadwood movie that uh, came out earlier in the year. 
because well, I mean, in the case of Deadwood, it was sort of cancelled before its time. I think and there were a couple of threads that they wanted to tie up, and uh, I understand that they did with that particular movie. With I mean, with, with Breaking Bad, I distinctly remember feeling that the the finale was good, mm. which is not something you can say for every show that <laughs> that comes out these days. But yeah, I mean, like many people, I if we hadn't had better Call Saul in the meantime, I would maybe be a little bit uh, wary about whether there's anything more in this world to, to go back to. But, you know, although I haven't seen Better Call Saul, the critical and, and audience reaction to it tells me that it's uh, very good at what it does. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, well, yeah, one more one more go round, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see. We'll see and hopefully get a chance to uh, review it here on the Sunshine Cinema yeah, well, Show. Yeah, next month, very soon. In a world fraught with corruption, two men united by fate torn apart by destiny, somewhere between courage and not courage, between the pharmacy and the podiatry clinic, you'll find Nick and Marcus in the Sunshine Hospital Radio Studio. Only they can bring you the Sunshine Cinema Show. Well, I'm going to give you a quick rundown now of the top five UK box office films and the top five UK film rentals. We shall start at the box office and at number five, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, which, oddly enough, we gave a five out of ten when we reviewed on the show <laughs> uh, uh, about a month ago. It's, um, it's, 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 it's fine. It's very over the top, which these Fast and Furious films often are. Uh, I found in this case it maybe went a, a little bit too far with with that, um, and it does as as good as Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are in their respective roles. I don't think it helps that they are in many ways the same character, <laughs> which is um, yeah a shame. At number four, we have Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Yep, um, I haven't made time to see it unfortunately, but I have, I have heard um, very re- weirdly good things. And this is the, the live action, not the animated film. Yes, it's a sort of live a- action adaptation of uh, the Dora the Explorer TV show. Okay, and at number three, we have Angel Has Fallen, which I'm, I'm guessing is a film about a deflated Angel Delight. Is it? Def- <laughs> this, well, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we... Should we say what it actually is? Go on then. Okay, this is, so this is the uh, the third in the the Has Fallen series, following um, Olympus Has Fallen and um, London Has Fallen, with Gerard Butler uh, protecting the president, who's played by um, Morgan mm. Freeman, because it's Morgan Freeman he has to play the president in in, in everything. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen Olympus Has Fallen, but it sort of came out at the the same time as a very similar film called White House Down, which I have seen. I think multiple times, and it's really, really fun. <laughs> in which the president that was played by Jamie Foxx and he's uh, paired up with, with Channing Tatum. That, that one actually has fun with the, the concept of an attack on a White House. And I was, you know, slightly disappointed that that didn't get a sequel, and the, the very, the very serious one did. <laughs> uh, but I've heard, I've heard that this one is the, the the best of the three. But considering that um, critics were quite down on the the first two, that probably isn't seen a huge deal. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to number two in the UK box office charts, which is The Lion King. Yep, four out of ten, uh, previously reviewed on the programme. Um, very good-looking, very unnecessary. <laughs> and at number one, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, which we reviewed on the programme last time. Uh, gave a, an eight out of ten, uh, despite its flaws. And there are several... Uh, 
places where it could have done things a little bit better and certainly a little bit tighter in terms of its pacing I I really enjoyed it I think it's one of the most interesting films of the year so far uh, but if, if you're not keyed in to what Quentin Tarantino has been doing with his work recently I don't think this will change your mind but I, I very much am in that <laughs> niche so. right let's give you an unusual top five UK film rental countdown mm-hmm. unusual because I'm starting at number six yep. uh, only because I just have to mention at number six is It Chapter One yes and as we are reviewing It Chapter Two uh, very shortly mm-hmm. uh, I just thought it'd be interesting just for you to uh, be aware that people are out there renting it to catch up yeah um, and number five though we have Dumbo the 2019 remake yeah which we've uh, not not reviewed officially but we've talked about on the programme plenty of times I, I I like that they tried to do something different with the the, the source material because I don't think the original gives there isn't much material there I think to, to provide a a bigger story uh, like a two hour one that they do here um, unfortunately the, the execution just isn't that great but on the plus side if you like films with that elephant with big ears it's definitely the best film in the top five this week uh, yes <laughs> okay at number four we have Captain Marvel yeah uh, previously reviewed on the programme uh, seven out of ten speaking as a, a big fan of this might come up in a second actually uh, speaking as somebody who's a big fan of what Marvel have been doing with the the films for the last few years, this one uh, didn't quite do it for me as much as the others have. But the, there's still a unexpected baseline level of quality that you always get from those movies, and this sort of hits that perfectly fine. There's some very good jokes in there, um, very good cast as well. And if you're a fan of female lead characters uh, in Marvel-based films, mm-hmm. would you say this is the best one in the top five? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Number three, we have Shazam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, another superhero movie which we've previously reviewed on the program and given seven out of ten to. This was um, this this was a, yeah a lot a lot more fun than the the average one. I think in some way, well, in many ways, directed towards a, a younger audience, sort of mostly because of the uh, the younger cast that are in the lead roles. Uh, having said that, there are some moments which are surprisingly scary for. A movie that is sort of setting its sights that that young with the with the audience, but then it's, it's coming from uh, a director who has previously sort of made uh, quite a few horror movies. I forget the titles <laughs> off the top of my head, <laughs> but this is um, no, still a a very solid superhero movie. Number two, talking uh, of solid films, uh, Hellboy twenty nineteen. Ah, uh, so it's about light, as lightweight as you can get, really, which which is a shame. Um, what did we review? We, we give us a four out of ten. Shows an interesting contrast with Shazam. Now that I think about it, because the uh, with, with with Hellboy, um, directed by Neil Marshall, who previously gave us uh, Dog Soldiers and the, uh, the and the Descent, some of the best episodes of Game of Thrones as well. It's um, you know, going for a, a lot a lot more of a grimier sort of horror style uh, superhero film that we've seen. Uh, unfortunately, it's sort of let down by a very lackluster scripts and um, some, some somewhat phoned in performances from the the cast as well yeah David Harbour in the lead role David Harbour in the lead role from uh, Stranger Things from Stranger Things yeah. Yeah. yeah okay and at number one on the UK film rentals chart we have Avengers Endgame yes as I mentioned I'm a big big Marvel fan so this is one that I was everything was sort of leading up to this one I was you know, very much looking forward to it um, six months review um, removed sorry from, from when I first saw it my general feeling of it is one of 
the satisfaction still rather than excitement although it's I, I do think it's very good I think it's a, a really good conclusion to uh, what 11 years worth of, of movies at this point uh, it's just that in the grand scheme of things there weren't many surprises for me coming out of it and I, I don't know if that's necessarily a, a bad thing it's just it's just weird to come out of it not feeling wowed like I have in the in the past but I still think, think it's a very good movie and as someone who hasn't really been engrossed by the whole Marvel film thing the area of interest to me on this <laughs> is the money show me the money yeah uh, budget 356 million dollars mm-hmm. box office 2.7 billion dollars yeah High gross, highest grossing film of all time wow mm-hmm. Okay, up next, the Losers Club reunite as adults to fight Pennywise the Clown. But will this be the end of it? We'll find out when we review it. Chapter 2. This is the Sunshine Cinema Show. Well, now it's time for our first movie review of the show, and we will bring you the delights of it. Chapter 2, rated 15. In the sleepy town of Derry, the evil clown Pennywise returns 27 years later to torment the grown-up members of the Losers Club, who have long since drifted apart from one another. When uh, Mike called me, I threw up. When Mike called me, I crashed my car. Seriously? Yeah. Man, I hear you. I mean, my heart was literally, like, pounding right out of my chest. I thought it was only me. It was like pure fear. Why'd we all feel like that, Mike? You remember something we don't, don't you, Mike? Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. So yeah, I remember all of it. It Chapter 2 was directed by Andy Muschietti. Uh, he also directed It Chapter 1 three years ago. Uh, this stars James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jane Ryan, James Ransom and Andy Bean as the adult versions of the Losers Club. Uh, the ad- adolescent actors from the first film reprise their roles as the younger losers. Oh, and Bill Skarsgård also returns as Pennywise the Clown. Okay, Nick, you recently watched chapters one and two as a five-hour double bill. Well done. Um, <laughs> Thank you. What are your feelings on both films? Um, and more importantly, do they work uh, best when watched together? Let's begin with chapter one, uh, because we both talked about it positively on the show last time. And uh, you know, on, on a second view, my, my feelings on it remain mostly the same it's pretty good I think um, it's you know it's a very effective horror movie perhaps made, made more so by the use of a younger cast who all play their roles brilliantly I think director Andy Muschietti uh, builds upon the promise of Mama which we reviewed uh, a few years ago um, so sort of delivers a very distinctive twisted spookiness to the proceedings and even though I knew there was more to the 
uh, original story and was looking forward to, to seeing more. I, I think it works perfectly fine as a, as a standalone film. The only negative aspects I can think of are, are ones that are present in most contemporary horror films, which are you know, some very choppy editing and an over-reliance on loud noises to make the film seem scarier than it is. So, in Chapter 1, I give a, a 7 out of 10. Uh, that, that might seem low, considering how glowingly we talked about it last time, but I think that's because it's so good at hitting those expected horror movie notes. I think I might have remembered it as being better than it, than it actually was. I think it, it's good, but uh, I would be hard-pressed to think of a way that it does... Uh, and, and anything differently from other modern horror films. Uh, now, if if people feel that they could do with refreshing their memory of Chapter 1 before seeing Chapter 2, uh, as I did, I would say go for it, because there are some moments in 2 that might not land properly if 1 isn't fresh in your head. That said, I think watching both of them in such small proximity might slightly damage your opinion of Chapter 2, because Chapter 2 aside from you know, not quite being able to work as a standalone film, is pretty much exactly the same, to the point where its plot has more or less the same structure. You know, we have all of these characters having scary encounters on their own and then regrouping for a big fight at the end. That isn't necessarily a problem, but people that are hoping for this second part to provide something new will be uh, disappointed, I think. And watching them back-to-back as a double bill did felt like a little bit of a, of a, of a slog. I'm I'm aware that the, the the novel tells both halves of the story concurrently, and uh, Andy Muschietti has spoken about editing together both films, as well as some deleted scenes, in, in a way that reflects the framing of the original novel. It's like a sort of like a, a, a big six-hour cut of this film, and I'd be I'd be interested in, in in seeing that. I think maybe that would highlight more of the the subtext of trauma and uh, an and abuse and how it can affect people as children and adults because the the films as effective as they are they don't really dig into that and the aren't as uh, thematically rich as they, they maybe could be uh, I've seen a lot of people bring up the, the length of this particular chapter it's 169 minutes which is uh, 11 minutes off from being 3 hours long so just, just to put that into context it's longer than uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it's an interesting comparison there it doesn't feel like it though I, I I know I described that my double bill viewing is a bit of a slog but I never felt like the film was taking too long to get to the point it's, it's very well paced much like the first one it probably could have stood to be scarier and there are some moments where the, the terror is actively undercut by a funny light which, which is a shame on the other hand I do respect that the film has the confidence to to make those decisions in, in the first place there's a moment where the tone of one scene is completely thrown off kilter by the addition of uh, Angel of the Morning performed by Juice Newton it's, it's, it's one of the weirdest needle, needle drops I've seen in a blockbuster movie and I, I appreciated that, we, that weirdness uh, so the main cast as, as you said, all playing older versions of the characters we saw in the first one. They all, they all do pretty well. The scene in the Chinese restaurant where they meet up again for the first time shows that they have some, some great chemistry. Uh, I think Bill Hader and James Ransom in particular are very good as the older Richie and Eddie. Bill Hader's been, I think, a good dramatic actor for quite some time now, if you've seen him in, uh, in Barry on uh, HBO series available on Sky Atlantic. And then James Ransom, I think it's... I, I just enjoyed seeing him again because he was so good in season two of The Wire as a character called Ziggy. He was one of my favourite characters, and I don't think they brought him back for any of the the uh, the seasons after that one, so it's, it's good to see him have a, a big role in something. And, as we said, the younger cast all make small appearances as well, um, although 
one, well, at least one, had to be digitally de-aged to match his appearance in the first film. I I found that a little bit distracting, um, but I, I was aware of that before seeing the film. So I think subconsciously I was I was looking out for that line between uh, real and uh, CGI. Well, okay. So most importantly, how do you score it? I'm going to give this one a seven out of ten as well. It's as I said, in many ways, it's like the first one. I'd say chapter one, that's a high seven. Chapter two, uh, say a low seven. I think it's it's more flawed, but the the ending, uh, specifically the the final two scenes, are I think really well judged, and they they won me back over. It's uh, it's a decent conclusion. Thank you very much, Nick. Well, if you're looking for a film to rent, then stay with us because we will be reviewing mid nineties, uh, the passion project and directorial debut from Jonah Hill. Uh, later on in the show. Before that, though, we have the Take 5 Film Quiz. You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Okay, then, now it's time for our Take 5 Film Quiz. Just to say, if you've seen any of the films that we're discussing... We'd love to include your views on the show, so please do tell us what you think. Yeah. You can tweet us at Sunshine Cinemax. Yeah. Especially if um, if you're seeing both chapters of it with maybe a bit more distance between them. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how they how they compare when when you're not seeing them one after the other. Yeah, absolutely. Okay then, let's get into the quiz. I've got five taglines for you from five well-known movies. And all you need to do is name the films that they come from. This week, all the films are Oscar winners. Now, you're going up against Nick. Nick will only score a point if he can name the film and the year that it was released in the UK. Okay, not not the year it won an Oscar. No. That could trip me up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, as if it wasn't hard enough anyway. <laughs> yeah, cheers. So, here we go. Five films, five taglines. Let's start with number one, which is an offer you can't refuse. Okay. Now, what film is that from? Okay. An offer you can't refuse. Tagline number two. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life Echoes in Eternity. Tricky, that one. Tagline number three. Collide with Destiny. Collide with Destiny. Perhaps you should think laterally on that one. Tagline number four. May the silence be broken. Mm. May the silence be broken. And finally, tagline number five. What movie is this from? The more you see it, the more it becomes one of your favourite things. The more you see it, the more it becomes one of your favourite things. 
and I'll be back with the answers very shortly. You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please remember, don't get them wet, keep them out of bright light, and never feed them after midnight. Okay then, let's find out how you uh, how you got on, Nick, with our Take 5 phone quiz. Are you feeling confident this week? Uh, somewhat. How are you feeling got about getting the, the titles? Titles I think I'm, I've done okay with. Okay. Apart, apart from one, I just didn't know. And years? Uh, well, we'll see. Prediction? <laughs> one out of five. You know, okay. you know what I'm like with the years. Number one, an offer you can't refuse. Okay. Famously a line from... Well, almost a line from The Godfather which suggests to me that they would use it as, as a tagline for the sequel, so I'm going to say Godfather Part 2. Incorrect. Uh, it was The Godfather. That's what I can... And the year? For The Godfather, 1972? <laughs> Correct. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't get a title right, so... No, so it doesn't really count. Thank it. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Yeah. I know this one, actually, because I, I remember seeing it as a... Tagline when it was re released on DVD. Uh, Shinder's List. Incorrect. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gladiator. Oh, yes. Yes, okay. Um, and just for fun, the year? That was 2000. It was 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, very, very, very weird tagline for that film considering nothing happens, you know, after the end. There's no eternity to, for it to echo in, if that makes sense. Number three, collide with destiny. Yeah, um, you said thing naturally, so maybe this is maybe something like um, Armageddon. Um, not famously an Oscar-winning film, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, can you think of any other famous Oscar-winning films that involved collisions? Uh, Big ocean-dwelling collisions. Oh, the the abyss. Big ancient. Tooting ships from Liverpool. Oh, uh, Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Titanic, 1998. That's from Belfast, wasn't it, Titanic? That's, that's where the museum is. You're right, it was. Yeah, okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, you, you, you... Yeah. Where do I get Liverpool from? Is there a boatyard in Liverpool? Oh, yeah, it's, it's a very big port city, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are right, it was Belfast. Anyway, that was 97, I think, the year? Titanic? 98. 98. Yeah. Oh, really? 98. Okay. Yeah. Okay, film number four. Uh, May the silence be broken. Uh, previously revealed on the programme, way back in the day, Silence of the Lambs. Yes, correct. There you go. Uh, we, I, th- I think that was 1990. Oh, very close. One year out, 91. Okay. Are these, these are UK release days, aren't they? Yes. Okay. That might be... Yeah, okay. Because <laughs> it's is the thing. Traditionally, for some reason, when, when it comes to the big award-winning movies, they, in the UK, they came out like right at the beginning of the year, and then the Oscars happened like a couple of months after. So, Science of the Lambs, Oscar, Best Picture winning in 1991, probably came out in the, in the US in the 90s, but in the UK it might have been 1991. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm waffling. <laughs> well, either way, you're very close. Yeah. <laughs> but not right. No. Um, okay, finally, the more you see it, the more it becomes one of your favourite things. Sound of Music. Correct. Well done. Thank you. 1964? Oh. Very close. 65. 
1965. Yeah. Was I one year out on every single year this time round? <laughs> yeah. I, was, I wasn't keeping track of it. No, feels like it was. Yeah. The good effort, though. Yeah. But unfortunately, <laughs> there's Alas. no prizes for good effort. Oh, well, there's, there's no prizes for anything, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so your grand total, if you could just quickly... Uh, do you want to get a calculator just to top those up? I don't need a calculator for that. That's, oh, yeah. that's, that's five X's. That's a zero, mate. Oh. Once again. How did you get on anyway? Did you beat Nick? By heck, you, I You, you probably did. <laughs> and you can let us know on Twitter. You can tell us how you scored at Sunshine Cinemax just to rub it in to let Nick feel yeah. even worse than he already does. Be, be polite, though, <laughs> yeah. if you do rub it in. <laughs> okay, up next, in life... As in skateboarding, if you fall, how quickly can you get back up? Find out more as we review mid-90s. This is Nick and Marcus, exclusively on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Well, if you're looking for a film to rent, then for your consideration, uh, we're going to review mid-90s, rated 15. In 1990s Los Angeles, a 13-year-old boy spends his summer navigating between a troubled home life and a crew of new friends he meets at the skate shop. So let me ask you a question, man. What what y'all doing with the skating? I just have fun skating. It's like, it makes me happy and smile, so I just skate every day. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I can dig it. Yeah, it's fun as hell, but I'm trying to make a way. Oh, okay. You can do that with skating? Yeah, if you... If you focus, oh, it's pros. I want to be one of them. That seems crazy to me that you could get a job skating. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking, man, maybe I should have started skating. What was your last job? Man, I was in a data entry. You know, everything kind of takes some kind of artistic mind to do or a creative mind to do. You can't just be a robot, you know what I'm saying? You got to be able to come up with ideas. So. I'm starting to feel more like that, but I still got the old programming in me, I guess, from school. I'm thinking about a lot of stuff out here. I understand why we ride a piece of wood, why we push on just a piece of wood, like what that does to somebody's spirit, you know? Just try to keep a positive attitude, even though it's hard as hell, but I'm glad that y'all sat down with me and talked with me for a minute, man. That that helps actually a lot. You're a good dude, man. Right on, man. Some people might recognise the uh, the voice of the homeless man, and that's uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. <laughs> well, mid-90s was written and directed by Jonah Hill. It's his feature directorial debut. It stars Sonny Soljic in the lead role. Nick, does mid-90s have any similarities to the films that Jonah Hill has starred in? Well, uh, like Superbad, it follows the lives of young teenage boys who swear a lot and uh, tell profane jokes. But that's as far as the similarities go. I mean, you, you can say the same thing about Dazed and Confused. The, the connection is, is that thin. And incidentally, Midnight is, is a lot closer to Dazed and Confused than it is to Superbad. I think it owes a, a lot to the work of Richard Linklater, who uh, you know, we mentioned in the news, who directed that film along with uh, Slacker, the Before Sunrise series, and Boyhood. And Boyhood is the, is the one that people listening to this will probably be most familiar with. And I'd, I'd say if you like this, then... Uh, sorry, if you like that, then you'll you're probably like this too. So, although mid '90s owes a lot to Linklater's work, this is still a, a very strong debut for Jonah Hill as a, a writer and director. It, it hits a very uh, specific tone that is 
actually quite difficult for me to put into words, but it's one that I recognise as being familiar from memories of my own adolescence, simply you know, simply being comfortable with the, the company of my friends, with the, the odd moments of unspoken friction, but mostly just, uh, you know, shooting the stuff, hanging out and having fun. And this is the point and, and, and the reason where, where my opinion may divulge from other people, uh, much like it did in our review of American Animals earlier in the year, because I... I saw a lot of myself reflected in, in this film in the way that these kids act around each other and as such it became very easy for me to make the necessary connection to enjoy the film for for what it was and I appreciate that that won't be um, an easy sell for, for many people because you are after all spending a lot of time with adolescent boys and as such there's a lot of swearing there's a lot of crude jokes and uh, posturing and eager stroking and there's a, a generous use of various slurs and I, I won't fault anyone for being turned off by that but speaking personally I found it very true to life I, th- I think the film shows that behaviour for, for what it is as well which is uh, putting on a front and acting like you're more mature than you actually are which is a, a essential tenet I think of young manhood I still think that people who weren't young boys will get something out of the film, though. There's a lot of uh, humour scrapes that the characters get into. There's themes of sibling friction and uh, the idea of creative outlets being an escape from real life, as we heard in the clip, as as well as a drive to become part of something bigger and to prove to the world and, and yourself that you have a reason to exist. Um, I, I keep trying to lighten the mood of, of this review, but everything's tied into some very heavy themes. It's, it's a lighter watch and I'm making it sound. It's, it's generally easygoing. Uh, every, everything flows very well, which is helped by the uh, relatively short score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and the selections of the soundtrack, all of which are excellent and era-appropriate. The uh, the cinematography by Chris Blauvelt has this very hazy look, which plays to the very smoggy reputation that Los Angeles had at the time, and still does to a, a certain degree. It's shot in a 4-to-3 uh, ratio, which is almost square, which some people might find unusual, but that's a very deliberate, and it's, if anything, it's a tribute to the, the homemade skateboarding videos of the era. Uh, the cast, many many of which are first-time performances, are, are great across the board. Uh, Sonny Soljic is a, a wonderful lead. I think he's very relatable as, as Stevie. We also have uh, Nakar Smith as Ray, who turns out to be the film's emotional centre and the, the type of stabilising presence that everyone deserves to have in their, their circle of friends growing up, but uh, unfortunately not everyone does get to have that presence. Uh, I also want to highlight Lucas Hedges, who uh, plays the, uh, the older brother, Ian, who's... I think getting a reputation for always turning up in these kind of films, like he was in Lady Bird, he was in Beautiful Boy. Um, no, that was Timothy Chalamet. He was in another um, Ben is Back, like the the other film that dealt with drugs and that sort of thing. Um, so although he might be slightly typecast, he's always very good when when he does turn up with it. Um, yeah, I had a maybe fun isn't the word, but I I enjoyed this uh, an awful lot. Okay, now you can give it. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I don't want to be down on this film because I, I, I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, I saw an interview with Jonah Hill who described the importance of this film being his directorial debut and that he felt a lot of pressure on not ruining that. He, his first film, he couldn't make it a bad one. And I appreciate that what he's produced is something he can be proud of looking back on. Mm-hmm. As a standalone film, whilst it's got a lot of good elements in it, an hour and 25, it, there's not enough of it. He opens 
uh, a lot of issues in the film and and for me he doesn't see them through I would make comparisons to the film Mrs England and I think there are parts in that film which are very similar and Mrs England handles them better um, I'd, agree. I'd agree with that I think there are certain scenes where the characters are indulging in uh, substance abuse and uh, uh, events which cause or would seemingly cause serious injuries and yet they don't have any serious outcome <laughs> it's it's i i can't associate it with with it as as well as you can nick mm-hmm. um and i i guess that's probably where our difference lies yeah yeah um although there's a lot that i do do get from it and particularly the soundtrack which is excellent it is it is so obviously this is sort of lean to a, a compromised score <laughs> <laughs> i think uh what i i have I have eight written down, okay. Uh, but I admit I was hovering over seven for for you know, part of the numbers writing this review. Okay, I would have originally probably gone in at five, but do you know what? Just hearing that little clip again, yeah, has actually reminded me of how much more there is in the film, and I would I would actually I would go to a seven on it. Okay, um, so I would be I would be happy to hit hit that on a seven. Yeah, I mean I, I take all of your points I think there's a deliberate lack of uh, payoff I think which you know isn't isn't going to make make it a film for everyone but um, at the end of the day I think it's a very good example of uh, the type of film it's it's trying to be it's a small snapshot of male adolescence and you know from my personal experience it's a very well observed one so yeah 7 out of 10 excellent okay we are fast approaching the end of the show so let's have a few quick upcoming releases at the cinema and on rental yes uh probably well as far as this country is concerned probably the biggest cinematic release of the next couple of weekends is downton abbey mm. they're all they're all back yeah maggie smith uh and the rest and the queen's coming to visit uh the king the, yeah the king and the king because king george the uh the, the whatever I've not seen the show I don't know anything about it but I mean I'm sure I'm sure fans of it will be looking forward to it yeah yeah uh, also the next weekend is uh, Ad Astra which is the the new film by uh, James Gray who previously directed uh, the I think yeah the, the film called The Immigrants and uh, The Lost City of Zed which are two films that two slow bu- s- slow burn films that I enjoyed a lot um, and I've heard really good things about this one Sars yeah. Brad Pitt excellent that's it thanks for joining us we'll be back next time on the sunshine cinema show bye if you missed anything in today's episode you can hear the edited podcast online just search for the sunshine cinema show podcast this is a sunshine hospital radio production get well soon